Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, with salon closures, canceled social events, and tightened budgets, the pandemic gave some people the chance to truly see their gray hair. And interestingly, many now want to keep their silver look. This hour, we find out why. What is the power in showing your hair exactly as it is? And why is it often an emotional journey to get there? As always, we want to hear from you. What drove your decision to show the gray? Or if you're still on the fence about ditching the dye, what stops you? Tell us after this news. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Quote, I would never have gotten to see what was underneath if there hadn't been this forced interruption. That's what one woman shared in a New Yorker photo essay about the pandemic enabling her to embrace her gray hair. Many people decided, or were forced with salon closures, to let their gray hair grow out during the pandemic. And some are keeping the look. Others are still getting comfortable with the transformation. Why does gray hair often elicit an emotional response? And could the pandemic be a catalyst for further shifting our attitudes toward gray hair? We explore these questions and more this hour of Forum. And joining me first is Sabrina Spencer, an actress and teacher who decided to go gray during the pandemic. Sabrina Spencer, welcome to Forum. Thank you. Good afternoon. So what was behind your decision to go gray initially? Well, at first, I, um, my sister mentioned to me that many people in my family have this gray streak that I've been developing since I was 25. And although I had been on the fence where people of different ages were telling me, you should color your hair for different reasons, whether for um, career or personal reasons, I began to embrace the gray as I received more and more compliments. And as I really realized that it was not a negative as I once thought. And I actually liked the way I look. I liked the uniqueness of it. I liked that it was a sort of attachment, uh, kinship with members of my family, and that I felt identified with them even more because of this trait. And I really just began to feel that it was not such a bad thing at all. And more of my friends were also embracing their gray. I love how it's connected to your family because um, I, I haven't dyed my hair. I have like this silver streak as well because it reminds me of my dad. But you touch on this a little bit. Why did you color your hair before this time, before your sister spoke to you? I once had a friend mention to me, um, she referred me for a job. And she said, but before you go, you should color your hair. They only hire people who look very young. Mm. 
And that really surprised me because this is a major company in New York. And I would never have thought that a job requiring all skill levels, meaning, you know, probably younger and older people, um, would actually discriminate in that way. And of course, I didn't go because out of a protest, I said I would never work for a company like this anyway. But that was one reason. And then, you know, having people tell me, well, you know, color your hair. So after a while, you began, I began to think, why is it so important? Why are so many people telling me this? But then the ability or the desire to embrace my gray came from so many people in public, everywhere I went, really, the, the grocery store, in the street, the subway, everywhere, people of different ages were telling me how my hair was beautiful. They were telling me, oh, it's so wonderful how you put the streak there. So people actually thought that I was deliberately creating this gray look, which made me realize if people think it's nice and you've actually dyed your hair this color, then that stigma of being gray as a negative or gray being associated with um, age or ageism, and all the other negatives that we uh, have about it, that perhaps they're going away. Mm. Well, I hope you're right. I I was struck by your quote in the photo essay where you said, when I see friends whom I have known since I was 13 and they are gray, I think, wow, we are older. But you also said, I don't see it as negative. What does the wow, we are older speak to? Um, well, when you see people that you've known when you're that young, sometimes you maintain an image of people at a certain point in a certain way. And I think we don't necessarily see the change that occurs in everyone. And then maybe one day it hits you, something that happens in life or something about the way you see that person or those people. And you realize, you know what? The passage of time has occurred. We are indeed older. And of course, gray hair is associated with age for the most part, although my gray hair came in when I was 25. So when I see friends of mine whose hair is actually completely great. It does make me realize, yes, we really are indeed older. Uh, we all still look great, but we are older. And um, that, you know, it did make me think at some point, uh, yes, gray yeah. hair is associated with older people, but um, I think it's beautiful. And yeah. the more I get compliments, the more I embrace it. It struck me a little bit about thinking of of being gray is reaching a milestone. Well, Sabrina Spencer, yes. thank you so much. I really appreciate your reflections. Thank you very much. Sabrina Spencer, an actress and teacher who decided to go gray during the pandemic. And if you did too, we'd love to hear from you. What drove that decision? Or if you're still on the fence, what, what stops you? 866-733-6786 is the number to call. Again, 866-733-6786. You can also tell us on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. You can email us forum at kqed.org. Also, some listeners shared their reflections on going gray and the experience of it uh, already on our voicemail line. And let's hear from Denise in Oakland. Hi, I'm commenting about letting your hair grow um, and leaving the uh, tint alone. I've just recently done it and within this last uh, six months, and I'm actually loving it. I am turning 68 this year, and I'm embracing it, and it looks great, you know, with a uh, a Latina skin tone and my white hair coming in. It's looking good. <laughs> I bet it is looking good, Denise. Um, I want to invite 
Maura Judkiss into the conversation now, a reporter who covers food, culture, and the arts for the Washington Post. Maura Judkiss, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So one of the things that you did recently was write about your own experience of going gray. Can you tell us what prompted you to go gray last year? Sure. Well, I have had, you know, some graying hair ever since I was 19. I grew up with jet black hair um, and my mother herself also started to go gray prematurely. So I, I knew this was in my future. Um, and, you know, I had been dying it to cover it up since I was 22. I have to appear on camera sometimes for work. And I felt like I had to sort of, you know, maintain um, a professionalism uh, mm. that I think a lot of people associate with colored hair. Um, and then the pandemic happened and my salon closed and I, you know, I'd always been curious about what it would look like. And now I really had the opportunity to find out because the thing about going gray is that you have this awkward phase where it's growing in, but your dyed hair is still there. And so you have this kind of skunk stripe. Um, the transition can be a little bit uncomfortable, but because of the pandemic, because everyone is staying home, I could go through that in private without uh. people really having to see it. And do you remember what your reaction was as you started to see the transformation? <laughs> I was I was pretty unsure about how it would turn out. You know, I was like, this could either be really cool and really unique, or it could be really bad <laughs> and I figured you know if 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 it if it's bad then I can always change my mind it's always easier to just to to see what happens and then you could always go back to highlights um but the longer it went on um you know the longer it got uh the more I started to like it and also having found um an Instagram community of other women who were doing the same thing I could kind of see what it was going to turn into and how lovely they looked with their full-length gray hair and I started to look forward to it all being gray, actually. What did you use to do to hide the gray? Can you talk a little bit about what you went through? I, I was struck by one of your stories about being accidentally burned by a stylist applying bleach to your scalp and you writing <laughs> something along the lines of like, a little chemical burn was better than a scalp full of gray. Yeah, that was definitely what I used to think for sure. Um, you know, the gray started coming in when I was 19 and they were just a few here and there and I would like pull them out. Um, and then, you know, at some point there were too many to do that. I didn't want a bald spot. So I started getting highlights, um, like reddish, reddish brown highlights. Um, and, you know, the thing about having really dark hair and also gray hair is that the gray is a really stark contrast. And so once I started getting even more gray, I wanted to minimize the amount of time I was spending in a salon because some women who, who dye their hair back to black um, will go like every two weeks because they're afraid to see any roots. And that's, yeah. you know, quite expensive and a lot of time. Um, so I started going blonde and I'd never really thought of myself as a blonde, but it covers the gray a little bit better. Um, I was this ashy blonde color for a long time. And, you know, that was fun, but it's also like, I guess it didn't entirely always feel like me. That makes sense. Uh, well, let's hear a voicemail from caller Nancy in Berkeley. This is Nancy in Berkeley. I went silver or really white tending toward golden during the pandemic. A major reason I had been coloring my hair was that I worked with young people and I didn't want them to think I was old. And I didn't want to think of myself as old either. I didn't even know what I would look like if I stopped coloring my hair. And I had wondered how I would let it go gray when the time came, but the pandemic solved that problem. It turned out I actually like my natural color. 
And it's a relief to not be hiding what I actually look like and my actual age, which extends well beyond my hair. I've seen a lot of women let their hair go silver, which I like and which makes it easier. If only the very old are silver, then we think silver means you're very old, which it turns out is not true. So I really hope that this trend continues. I love that last part of Nancy's comment where Nancy says, if only the very old are silver, then we think silver means you're very old. And just listening to you, Maura, just talking about starting to go gray when you were 19, there is this deep cultural association between gray hair and advanced age, but our own experience teaches us that, no, you go gray very early, and that if people would show their gray at an early age, they're probably it would probably be less of a trigger for ageist stereotypes. Do you think that that's happening? Because I also wonder what comes first, right? Are you willing to go gray to change this to change the stigma or the stigma has to start going away so you'll show it more? I think it's a little bit of both, definitely. Um, you know, one thing that I think also emboldened me was that a couple of years ago, there was this sort of micro celebrity trend of dyeing your hair this purple, silvery gray, and right. you saw it on some runways. Um, and so I was like, oh, well, maybe it won't be so bad. Um, it is kind of funny because like now that I have, um, I would say my hair is like three quarters gray. I still have a little bit of dyed hair at the bottom. Um, people don't really know how to clock my age. I'm 36. Uh, sometimes I get double takes on the street and people come up and they compliment me and they think that I've dyed it this color and they're like, who's your, who's your stylist? But then another time um, I got a senior discount at a grocery store, <laughs> <laughs> which was pretty funny. And I, you know, I was happy to save some money, so it was fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's fun to play with that. It sounds like for you, we'll have more with more Judkiss after the break, a reporter for the Washington Post about the choice to go gray, and we'll have more with you, our listeners. So stay with us. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Hi, I'm Carol from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I wish I'd gone gray during lockdown, then I'd be halfway there. I gave it up this July because my hair wants to be gray. I fought it for years, but just five days after professional coloring, the gray peeked through. I finally gave up fighting it. But an unintended consequence is I miss my stylist. We've been a team for 30 years, every three weeks. Now I'll see him probably four times a year. I'm grieving the loss. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. That was Carol from Pittsburgh telling us about the choice to go gray. 
We're talking about that choice and why it elicits such strong feelings and why some who went gray during the pandemic see the choice as a larger reset from COVID. We're talking with Maura Judkis, a reporter covering culture, food, and the arts for the Washington Post, and you, our listeners, are with us. What drove your decision to go gray during the pandemic or prior to? If you're still on the fence about ditching the dye, what stops you? What does gray hair mean to you? Call us now at 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum or email your comments and questions to forum at kqed.org. And let me go to Amelia in South Portland, Maine. Hi, Amelia. Yes, hi. Great to have, great to be here. Yeah. Thank you. What's on your um, mind? Uh, yeah, um, I have written about this, and um, race and culture can also influence the decision to die or not to die, um, dark hair can be an important part of Latina Chicana identity, a type of cultural marker. Mm. Um, and I wrote about a colleague of mine, I'm a professor, and uh, who had stopped dyeing her hair, um, but she quickly returned to coloring it when people mistook her for Caucasian. So I took that and thought about it a lot, and now I consider coloring my hair as part of my activism. Um, actually, my name is, my nickname, I have the nickname Roja or Red, a oh. nod to my long, thick auburn hair. To me, it's a political act because I wish to be seen as Chicana. At the same time that I recognize that other Chicanas or Latinas or Mexican-Americans do go gray and all power to them. Um, But my family members in Mexico, we all have the same hair color. And so I identify um, with my color. And also, I've been having fun during the pandemic creating my own hair color. Um, so uh, another colleague of mine, Mariana Ray, has said how people read us or make assumptions or dismiss us based on how we present is an important part of understanding our cultural literacy as well. So I just wanted to add that in. Well, Amelia, I love those points. I think what's sort of underlying this whole discussion about gray or or not to gray is just what gets you closer to being true to who you are and what you stand for. And so it sounds like you're really clear on those decisions. So thanks so much for calling in. Really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. And, and Maura Judkis, you have talked too about the fact that you are not a cheerleader. You wouldn't push any decisions on anyone. People make these decisions for very different reasons, right? It's not always just associated with concerns about age and ageism. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I feel like you have to really be ready to to be gray before, you know, I would never tell anyone who is going gray that they should stop dyeing their hair. Everyone should do what's right for them. Um, But, you know, once once you feel a readiness, I would say um, there tends to be a bit of a relief, a relief in not having to go to the salon quite as often, a relief in not having to worry about having those roots coming through and always, you know, using different powders and various things that I used to do to cover them up in between appointments. Um, you know, you feel this this sort of sense of being able to settle into something that's a little bit easier and, and perhaps for some people a little bit more themselves. One of the things, though, is that the cultural cultural pressures are really intense. And when I was talking with my colleague, Alexis Madrigal, 
we were talking about how the cultural pressures for both women and men are really strong. And he shared a story about basically getting inundated with ads for beard dye that I would love to play right now. Here's a list. <laughs> so I'm almost 40 and I start to get some gray in my beard pretty early. And then on my mom's side in particular, kind of go gray around the goatee. So I, you know, I've always sort of liked it. But now, probably after they did some simple image analysis so the system knows I've got gray in my beard, Instagram is drowning me in ads for beard dye. And now I feel hunted by like a dozen companies. And worse, I've started to feel like maybe I shouldn't like my gray. Now maybe it like makes me look too old. So far, I've resisted buying and trying the dye, but I can't say I'll be able to resist the onslaught like forever. Mordekis, how I, the cultural pressures are really intense, right? How have you been able to push those aside? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting too because I feel like for women the pressure is much much more intense. Um, you know, I'm almost a little bit glad to hear that some men are experiencing this too. But I get constant hair dye ads. And the thing about men is that, you know, there's this trope where men who have silver hair are called a silver fox, and it's kind of like a sexy older man kind of look. But then women, you know, when you look to like gray haired women in culture, like you get like Disney villains, like Cruella de Vil or Ursula the Sea Witch or, you know, the Bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> so like we don't have a lot of positive gray role models. And I think there's also, you know, there's something in kind of embracing the power of those Disney villains as as powerful women too. But, you know, whenever you see um, an actress who, who decides to go gray and let their natural hair come through, like Andy McDowell recently did this on a red carpet and like people in the silver haired community as, as we call ourselves on Instagram, were just thrilled to see this because it looked beautiful. Um, you know, to, to resist that pressure is really, really swimming upstream, um, especially, you know, among certain certain professions too. Like, I, I'm not sure we'll quite be seeing this among news anchors, for example, who have a lot mm. of pressure to dye their hair. Um, it really depends on what kind of job you do, how much pressure you get to conform and whether or not you're able to resist that or even want to. Well, let me read a few listener comments. This listener writes, I decided three years ago this month, a little push from my husband saying, you won't do it until you retire. Ha, watch me. I just don't have as much as I thought I would. There are definite patches. My 22-year-old likes it. Another listener writes, I went without the dye once after having had my head shaved at a street barber in Kathmandu. As it grew in gray, my son said I look like a New York gallery owner, so never again. <laughs> This is the person who decided to go the opposite way. We're talking gray. If you want to join the conversation, 866-733-6786 is the number. Email us, forum at kqed.org. Reach us on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. I want to bring Eleanor Carucci into the conversation, a photographer who depicted women who decided to grow out their gray hair and who was the photographer in the recent New Yorker portfolio, Silver Linings, that I referenced earlier. Eleanor Carucci is also author of the photography book, Midlife. Eleanor, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. As I was listening to uh, Maura talking about the cultural pressures, the pressures and ideas around beauty and so on, um, and how women face it so intensely, I was struck by another area of pressure that you have pointed out. You've mentioned that that one of the themes that has emerged when you've talked to women about going gray is that their mothers or family members would discourage them as well from going gray. Can you talk about that? 
Um, yes, this was also surprising to me. But when I decided to stop dyeing my hair, my mom was um, just horrified. And I think, you know, at first I was upset and I'm like, my mom raised me so feminist, but I think it comes from worry, you know, at a certain point. Our moms don't care about, you know, when I was talking to her about feminism and about the, the fact that women should have more of a choice if they want to go great, just like men or not. She's like, I don't care about feminism. I care about you. I don't want you to pay the price. So mm-hmm. um, when I spoke to other women, it was exactly the same. I mean, our mothers usually love us most in the world. And uh, there is a worry there that your daughter will be perceived as older, will be deprived of some professional opportunities. And some of those worries were right. You know, my mom was not completely crazy there. Um, some of what she said was just brutally honest and and, and right. And yeah, also yeah. maybe there is a different generation thing. Right. She could be speaking from her own experience, which is can strongly define our views on things. Well, when you approach this topic with a photographer's lens for The New Yorker, tell us why you decided to take on the project and why you decided to feature only women. So um, actually talking to Jonah Milter, the director of photography of The New Yorker, at first we thought about including men. But then just like Maura said, um, it's very different for men. It's very different to go gray. Actually, I think sometimes it's more courageous um, to dye your hair as a man. There is some stigma coming with this about your manhood. or um, and, and we decided that um, we want to make this portfolio, this photographic essay about the transition and about how meaningful it is for women to go out there to the world, especially when they're, you know, above the age of 40 um, and show their gray hair. There is some carriage there. And it's a very different thing for men. So we decided that we're sticking with the women. I love that you made that point because we have done shows about men learning to embrace makeup and hair dye. And you're right. And I think in many ways, it it feels like two sides of the same thing that, that, they're refusing to conform to certain gender expectations, similarly right. like women who embrace the gray. So I love that point. Uh, let me go to <laughs> caller Donna in San Jose. Hi, Donna. Hi, good morning. Hi, good morning to you. What's on your mind? So I have been sporting my beautiful gray hair for about five years. I was a redhead for 30 years and uh, just loved that. But When my little sister was going through breast cancer treatment, I cut my hair when she lost her hair. I went to a barber, got it all cut off, all the red was gone, and I started getting the silver little highlights around the side of my face, and I loved them. And so it's been five years. I still go to a barber. I have a big top knot. My hair's about past my shoulders, but I still do high and tight on the side, and I get compliments all the time. I love it. It's uh, so freeing. You don't have to be, you know, in the in the hairdresser's salon, you know, so frequently and uh, just so much easier to take care of. Well, Donna, I'm glad it's been such a positive experience. Thanks for sharing your story. Let me go to Janet in Napa next. Hi, Janet. Hi there. Thank you, Mina. Um, I'm so glad you're doing this show. This is a topic that's been very important to me for several years, and 
as a person who is from Dallas, Texas, trained as a hairdresser and was a professional colorist for years, making the blondes blonde and dyeing the hair of many women, I realized since I had my first hair at age thir- gray hair at age 13 and had been dying since I was 23 up until a couple of years ago, I'd spent approximately $70,000 oh, with wow. my hairstylist. And looking at the money that I've spent as a woman that maybe some men don't have to spend on because of social pressures and also embracing my age and those gray hairs, um, I've gone gray for the last three years before COVID. And then since COVID, the perspective has also changed that I am embracing my life. I am alive. I've lived this long and, and I can do this. This is something that I embrace. Well, Janet, thanks for sharing that. And and we have a couple of other people also talking about the power of embracing it and also the power of saving the money. Jessica writes, I've had a white streak since I was 19 and I'm now 37. When the pandemic hit, my husband's restaurant closed and he was unemployed. I also took a pay cut. The salon closed. I was working from home. And now I can't imagine spending that 150 or 200 every six weeks. Once you color your hair, you have to keep retouching or retoning because the color fades. I feel liberated from that huge expense. And Angela writes, I am 65 years old, but have been told I look about 40-something. I've always colored my hair as the gray came in, but of course, since 2020, I haven't done it, and I am totally embracing the silver. Why? It's who I am now. The fear of looking old and haggard doesn't apply as I thought it would. Like with men with the gray at the temples giving them a little character, my gray gives me character, and I love it. Uh, Eleanor Carucci, One of the things that I was struck by is that you decided to stop dyeing your own hair before the pandemic in response to the Me Too movement. What is that connection for you between the choice to go gray and Me Too? You know, I can only think about it in retrospect, but at the time, there was something about just like, this is it, because I've been dyeing my hair and I really hated it. And I hated uh, the roots showing and the embarrassment of how the roots are showing and then everyone sees the differences. And um, there was something about the Me Too that allowed this, I, I can even say anger, just be expressed as like, this is my hair. Um, there are many women, there was something empowering about this. There are many women that are angry about different things that have to do with being a woman. Um, and it just, I felt liberated and maybe somehow more backed up. Maybe somehow more backed up. Wow. I, one of the things that you're talking about when you talk about roots, it reminds me more of what you were saying earlier about that awkward, like growing out process. And one of the things that I'm struck by just by both of you, um, and also another guest who will be joining us shortly is just that there are a lot of now areas of support, resources you can turn to, to try to work through some of those emotions that, that can come up through the process. You, you mentioned the growing out process being awkward, the growing out process allowing, um, the pandemic allowing you to go through that privately, but what would you say are some of the places that you turn for that quote unquote awkward time, Maura? 
Uh, well, I definitely looked to Instagram when I first, you know, I think in March, right after my salon closed, um, I was like, well, I guess I'm really doing this. So, uh, so I, I looked on Instagram um, on this hashtag called young and gray, because I was curious to see, you know, I wanted to see what other women who maybe had sort of my, my hair coloring and my skin tone, what they looked like as gray, because I was trying to get a sense of what I might look like. And that was how I discovered this whole Instagram circle of women um, who call themselves Silver Sisters. Uh, and they are growing their hair out um, and documenting their progress along the way, which was really, really helpful because you could kind of get a sense of what you were going to look like at two months, at three months, at six months, at a year, um, and you know, lots of other helpful tips like this is the kind of purple shampoo you should use so that the toner doesn't, you know, the toner doesn't fade. Um, There's this great little kind of support group uh, that that helped you through the process and also kind of like kept you going because when you hit this really awkward phase of between, I would say three to six months, that's when you have about two inches of gray. It's like this big kind of skunk stripe through your head. Um, it's impossible to hide at that point, but it also is like not quite intentional enough looking yet. Uh, it's not long enough that it looks like you are trying to go gray. It looks like you've just really neglected your hair. <laughs> so they would, you know, they would tell you, um, these are some good ways to cover it up. Here's some hairstyles that I've been trying. Um, here's some temporary color that you could put on it for something fun. I ended up dyeing my hair pink halfway pink um when i had about four inches of gray and i had this kind of gray pink ombre which was really really fun and and that was a tip i got from a woman in australia we're talking with maura judkis a reporter covering culture food and the arts for the washington post eleanor carucci is with us a photographer who depicted women who decided to grow out their gray in a recent new yorker portfolio called silver linings and you our listeners are talking with us about the choice to go gray or whether you're on the fence and why it elicits such strong feelings 866-733-6786 the number 866-733-6786 email address forum at kqed.org you can post thoughts on twitter or facebook at kqed forum more after the break i'm mina kim This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Coming up tomorrow on Forum with guest host April Domboski. Political journalist Eric Garcia joins us to talk about his new book, We're Not Broken, about autistic people and the many challenges and misconceptions they face. 
And Forum is hosting a live virtual show tomorrow night from KQED's new headquarters with children's book authors Joanna Ho and YA writer Lisa Moore Ramey about writing for young readers. You can register for the event at kqed.org slash live. And we want to hear from kids and adults alike. Leave us a voicemail telling us about a book that made you feel seen. 415-553-3300 is the voicemail number. That's 415-553-3300. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Many people, especially those who were lucky to work from home, decided to let their gray hair grow out during the pandemic, and some are keeping the look. Is this a sign that the pandemic is heralding a shift in attitudes toward growing gray? Or why does gray hair elicit such strong emotional responses? We're exploring those questions and more with Maura Jedkis, a reporter covering culture, food, and the arts for The Washington Post. Eleanor Carucci, a photographer who depicted women who decided to grow out their gray hair for The New Yorker, also author of the photography book Midlife. And now we're joined by Erin Mercedes, who runs an Instagram account called Silver Curls, dedicated to her hair journey. Erin Mercedes, thanks so much for joining us. Hi, Erin, are you there? And while we wait for Erin to Thank connect... you for having oh, me. Oh, okay, there you are. <laughs> no, no problem. So, Erin, why did you start Silver Curls? Um, in 2019, I decided that I wanted to go gray, and um, it backfired. I didn't want to do the <laughs> go through the demarcation line. So I went to a colorist, a professional, but something happened where my hair was damaged. So mm. I had to cu cut my hair really short. And I went through that process. It was really hard. And then around um, 2020, March, um, before the pandemic, um, one of my friends said like, hey, um, maybe you should um, open a, an account on IG and so that you can inspire others and tell about your story of, you know, how uh, everything that happened with your hair and now how you kind of like starting to feel better about it. So I was like, oh, maybe I, I, I should do that. So I started my page, then the pandemic hit and I just used the whole time to um, take care of my hair um, because I was, was kind of like working remotely. So I just decided to, oh, let me just focus on taking care of my, my curls. And you mentioned curls. I understand that you decided to go gray, but your decision was in part inspired by the earlier decision to embrace your natural curls. Can you talk about that? Um, so um, very early in my life, I was taught that I had pelo malo, <laughs> that my hair was not good. So I learned that, oh, I have to make sure that my hair is straight. So I started straightening since I was 12. And around 2010, when I was 30, um, I decided to stop rela relaxing my hair. But then my grays were coming like from the root. And in order to keep uh, my hair straighter, they suggested that I should um, dye my hair. So I started dyeing it when I was 30. And I think that that also kind of like um, speed up the grain process. It's they were coming out, but that speeded up. So around 38, um, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to, um, I'm going to stop going to the salon. Let me just kind of like start embracing my curls. So I started like letting it curl. The curl was completely different um, from the way it looks now. It was a little bit more wavy because of the dye. And 
so it started like that just like embracing my curls and then around 2019 the beginning I decided to stop coloring the back so I was just dyeing the front so it, it was kind of like a very gradual pr um, process to going mm -hmm. into grade and then by the summer of 2019 that's when I was like okay I'm just gonna let everything great but not the way that everybody else does it which is just let it grow um and that's when you know the problem happened yes but something wonderful came out of it which just sounds like it's been really helpful for a lot of people uh, you've had a lot of people appreciate your instagram account silver curls you also told our producer Ed, and i believe that that going gray and being natural that you feel this power in you what do you mean? What do you feel? Uh, I I just like, I feel like I can be myself. I'm not hiding behind all that black hair that I had. Um, it, like that hair was just like, I was hiding behind it. Like it, it was always in the front of my face. But now like I can just be me. <laughs> and it has, it be, and opening the account, the, the Silver Curls has also helped me um, kind of like get or get out of my comfort zone and like do things like this, like participate interviews, um, <laughs> relate to people that I wouldn't have probably have never have conversations with because this community has opened so many doors and amazing friends have been able to become part of my life from there. We're talking with Erin Mercedes, who runs the Instagram account Silver Curls. And you, our listeners, are with us. Let me go to Gia in San Jose. Hi, Gia. Hi, how are you? I'm well. Well, I started having gray hair or streaks when I was 30, and I didn't mind. And then it started to grow more and more. And by the time I was 40, I was um dying the hair and every two weeks I would have you know the roots by myself done and I used henna and I used the commercial stuff and then by the time I got to be 50 52 I decided I am going to have my hair gray I'm gonna old grow old anyway and I remember my grandma having silver hair when before she died in 90 at age 97 so then I remarried and my husband said oh would you like to uh, get your hair done and he was paying for it but I had so many problems and the last one a straw was when uh, someone burned my hair, you know, because of of the dye. And then, so I decided I'm just going to uh, grow grow it again. And um, I what I did was I would um, use a beret, cover my head, and I would cut the bottom of my hair until the white... Oh, and the and the dark hair merged together, and then I started to grow it long, and now I have it on shoulder length. And people are telling me, why don't you uh, dye your hair? And I said, no, because uh, I'm allergic to dye. And, oh, no, you just have to find something that doesn't have it. I said, oh, no, I... I I'm happy with this. 
And yeah. uh, one time some, someone even asked me, is that a choice? I said, I don't know about choice. I mean, I have to grow it this way because of my allergy. You know, if you check, if you check in the internet, there is yeah. a chemical. Well, it's amazing. The pressure seemed really constant to you, but I appreciate you telling us where you've landed, and I hope you stay there. Thanks for calling in. <laughs> Let me go to Jim next in Jasta County. Hi, Jim. Yeah, hi. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I, I just thought, uh, listening to the conversation, I follow form all the time. But uh, I, uh, about uh, eight, eight or nine months ago, I just stopped cutting my hair. I, I'm 72, and, and I have really nice flowing hair and it's natural curls and waves and uh, before when I had a more conforming haircut uh, you know I think it was maybe ageism but I didn't get acknowledged much you know it was sort of dismissed so I let the hair start growing and people come up to me all the time making comments on my hair and uh, it's a conversation starter I'm writing a book too so it's 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 more, um, it, I, I'm really liking the, the difference in, in how people respond to me just because my hair is long and gray. Well, Jim, thanks for sharing that. You're underscoring the power of um, challenging, I think, for people's gender stereotypes about about hair and so on. And, the, and as I said earlier, the power in doing that. Uh, we've got a few more comments along those lines. Pam writes, I made a vow to myself to go gray when I was a teenage feminist in the 70s. I thought that women having to color their hair to hide their age was a sexist trope. I still think it is. But now that I'm 60 and my hair has been salt and pepper for a long time, I've had some moments of doubt, mostly because I feel like I'm the only one who doesn't color my hair. I'm glad to hear that there is a trend of going gray among women. Gail writes, I have long brown hair, which I highlighted with blonde at the roots to cover gray. Lockdown was the perfect time for me to let the gray come in. I was sick and tired of spending time and money at salons, and I didn't have to show folks my funky roots since I wasn't going anywhere. I love the way it looks now, and it's healthier since I'm no longer dying it. It does make me feel a bit more older adult, but whatever. I'm 57. It's about time I grew up. Maura, Judd, because one of the things that I'm struck by some of these responses is that I feel like, yes, while the pra- while the pandemic gave sort of the pragmatic, uh, pragmatic opportunity to be able to go gray, it sounds like there were other things, too, that the, the pandemic did that made people just really think about, you know what, I'm 57, it's time for me to grow up, or, or just embrace the age that they are. Did that happen for you? Yes, definitely. I mean, I think one of the things that um, was so interesting to me about growing, going gray during the pandemic was that I could literally chart the time that we were spending in, in this phase of life by just looking in the mirror because most people's hair grows about a half an inch a month. And, you know, at six months, that meant I had three inches of gray and it kept going and going and going. And now it's down to my chin and we've been here for 18 months, I guess. And so it really makes you reflect on the passage of time. Um, And I think another thing that it makes you reflect on is mortality too. I mean, people associate going gray with aging and aging makes us think of death, which I mean, not a lot of people want to think about that. And and that's why there's such a youth culture and people want to stay forever young. Um, but I think one thing that the pandemic has kind of helped us reflect on is that aging is really a privilege. You know, I, I have people 
I know who have not made it to 36 um, and who will never go gray because they won't be old enough to grow gray hair. And so it, it makes you feel grateful for the time that you have and the years that you have and the ability to be old enough to actually have hair that looks like this. Yes. Um, one of my colleagues, April, was mentioning how she this whole show reminded her of an interview that Frances McDormand gave where I guess she was being pressured to do something about her wrinkles. And she was basically like, I earned these wrinkles. Mm. And it's sort of like the the gray hair. We, we've earned our gray hair. We've reached this age. And especially, I think you're right, Maura, the pandemic has reminded us how lucky we are to have done that. We're talking with Maura Judkiss, a reporter covering culture, food, and the arts for Washington Post. Eleanor Carucci, a photographer who depicted women who decided to grow out their gray, gray for the New Yorker. And Erin Mercedes, who runs an Instagram account called Silver Curls, dedicated to hair, her hair journey. You are listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Let me go to some more calls. Diane in San Francisco. Hi, Diane. Oh, hi. Can you hear me okay? I can. Okay. Oh, um, so I decided to go gray in 2017, and it was really only about 35% gray. Um, but uh, I was spending so much money on constantly coloring it, and it irritated my scalp. And I also have curly hair, so I was pummeling my hair by straightening it and coloring, you know, and then coloring it, and it was getting really dry and brittle. And I was like, what am I doing? I'm totally swimming upstream. And my husband kept commenting that every time I got it colored, it was sort of a different color. And when you have dark hair, it starts looking harsh on you as you get older. Um, and then you have to add highlights back in the dark. It's just so much effort. So, um, you know, it's been overall a great experience. I do get a lot of compliments. During the pandemic, I also let it go curly. So now I have like curly salt and pepper hair, um, but it feels great. Um, there are moments of doubt. Um, my dermatologist has made comments like, oh, you know, you're so brave to go gray. And she's, I'm 58, she's probably 63. And she's like, I just, I'm not brave enough to do it. And recently I was at a family gathering where my um, brothers, my it's my nephew's girlfriend's parents were there and I was my brother's there I'm 58 he's 63 he does have a bit of a baby face and the parents the dad asked me if I was my brother's older sister (laughs) well Diane you're actually reminding me of this comment from a listener Jill writes I stopped coloring my hair during the pandemic but quickly found that people were assuming I was my child's grandmother and commenting on it often it didn't feel good for me and I didn't want my son to start feeling like he had an old mom so I went back to coloring Eleanor Carucci in that New Yorker piece one of the um, subheadings was something along the lines of how women are reckoning with the decision and Diane was talking about having moments of doubt uh, do you do you have moments of doubt? Um, not anymore. And in, I think, as Maura was saying, in the early stages when the transition is still there and it looks weird, um, but it really feels so much me. And it's not that I necessarily love my gray hair more than I did my hair when it was completely brown. I do miss the brown hair, but it's gone. It's What I didn't like was 
walking around with a secret on my head, with something mm. I'm hiding. And so, as I spoke before, being liberated um, is, is a great feeling to me. And it's also inspiring. I mean, when I had doubts, um, it was my daughter who is 17 now. She was, I don't know, 14, 15. She was like, mom, don't give up. She's such a feminist. <laughs> like you can be when you're 17 or 16. She's like, don't give up. I'm with you. It's who you are. And we're feminists. And she really <laughs> gave me the strength to keep going. Oh, what about you, Erin? Do you have doubts or if you encounter people who do on your Instagram, what do you say? Um, I don't have doubts. Um, and when like with some of the sisters that have said like, oh, I'm not going to continue with this account because I, I color my hair. Uh, I tell them you don't have to like, don't worry, like it's going to get a time in people's life when they decide like I'm, I'm not going to go back, but they have to do it on their own. Well, Susan writes, I love that more people are considering leaving the hair dye behind. There's also the environmental impacts. Letting our hair grow its natural color and texture is certainly much healthier for the earth. Ariana writes, it's obviously not about gray hair. It's about ageism and sexism. My fears about gray hair have to do with two areas impacted by ageism and sexism. One, how I'm perceived at my job and for job prospects. And two, dating men or women discriminate against older people. I dye my gray hair with blue streaks, which allows me to have some fun with it. I'm still not comfortable with all gray. Maura Judkiss, you, of course, are probably the most recent adoptee <laughs> of gray hair. Um, what are you thinking about it down the line? Is this a permanent change for you, you think? Yeah, I feel pretty good about it. I feel like having gray hair is like any other sort of alternative hair color. And I think alternative hair colors, you know, in certain industries are becoming more acceptable in the workplace. Um, I've also been really boosted by a lot of lovely compliments that I've gotten from women on the street. I think, you know, I think there are more and more of us out there who have gone gray during the pandemic and we kind of see each other uh, like walking around my neighborhood, for example, and it's like, oh, you did it too. It looks really good. So um, <laughs> I think that, you know, as, as we emerge back into our quote unquote normal lives, whenever that ends up being, I'm still working from home personally. Um, I think there's also something kind of exciting about having a big reveal. Like, you know, I can measure time. Um, you know, when I look back at photos of myself, there will be a before and an after the pandemic. And, and like the pandemic will have changed us all, I think, in ways maybe that some of us haven't even quite figured out yet. But it also is quite a literal change. I'll be able to see myself, um, you know, with blonde and I'll know that that was before the pandemic and, and after I will have had gray hair and having that reveal is, I think a pretty exciting opportunity. And fitting for such a disruptive moment in all of our lives to focus on the positives. Well, Maura Dedkiss of the Washington Post, Eleanor Carucci, photographer and author of the photography book, Midlife, Eden Mercedes of the Instagram account, Silver Curls. Thanks to all of you for joining us. Thanks to our listeners for their comments and stories. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, 
The smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Every Thursday, I'm getting the inside take from the best reporters in the country on what figures like Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy, and Marjorie Taylor Greene are doing. I think she wants to make things happen. She wants to get legislation passed. She made clear to me that she wants to have a president who upholds Christian values. She embraces the term Christian nationalist. That's Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Available wherever you get your podcasts.